All Things Are Possible, Part 29. I'll remind you of our foundational texts. Mark chapter 9, verse 23 says, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And then Mark chapter 10 and verse 27, uh, Jesus said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Glory. Amen. So we have to understand who our source is, that it is God, and that we have to believe. But then Mark chapter 11 and verse 23 uh, says that... Um, well, let me just read the whole uh, verse 22 and 23. Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. Now you see what he said over here in Mark chapter 10? With God all things are possible. And then over there it said, All things are possible to him that believes. So it's with God and in God and with your faith and by your faith. And then it says here, uh, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea. And we'll eventually talk about this some more because you have to speak specifically to the mountain. But we have been focusing on this next sentence of Jesus because it's right in the center of what he's saying. And it's it's it's... Everything depends on this. He says, And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Well, to not doubt in the heart, but believe, we have found that we have to eradicate all doubt and all of its unpleasant cronies. <laughs> Uh, we saw that doubt and fear go, go hand in hand. Doubt must be left out. Glory. Jesus said, only believe when he spoke to um, uh, Jairus. Fear, as we've seen, is also defined by the words anxiety and solicitude. And... Uh, according to both Noah and Merriam-Webster's dictionaries. And they go on to say that it is an uneasiness of mind to feel anxiety on account of some expected evil, that it also means anxious concern. Now, this is important because uh, Jesus, Paul, and Peter tell us that we have to reject all anxiety. And I'll quote to you some of those scriptures in just a, a few minutes. But um, I want you to understand that uh, Jesus in the Gospels and Paul in his writings and also Peter in his writings tell us in no uncertain terms that it is a command that we do not worry or have anxiety. But now we've studied doubt and, see, and saw the definition of doubt and we've studied fear and saw the definition of fear and saw how they connect. But it's interesting to see that anxiety and worry connect with fear and doubt. Now, probably you already knew that there was some kind of connection. But it's interesting when you study it. 
and you begin to see how intimately acquainted and associated and connected they are. So let's look at the definition, the dictionary definition of anxiety. Listen to it. Now, this is from Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. And it says that anxiety is painful or apprehensive uneasiness of mind, usually over an impending or anticipated ill, fearful concern or interest, a cause of anxiety, an abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension. Now, you see how these words keep repeating themselves, both in in the definition of doubt and in the definition of fear. And now we're seeing it again in the definition of anxiety. These words, uh, apprehension, uh, uh, remember that we saw that fear was the um, anticipation or the expectation of evil. And notice what it says here, that anxiety is the painful or, or apprehensive uneasiness of mind, usually over an impending or anticipated ill, fearful concern or interest, a cause of anxiety, an abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear. Now, I'm reading to you the dictionary, often marked by physiological signs. In other words, it affects your body, such as sweating. You ever heard, you know, uh, people talk about of how they broke out into a cold sweat <laughs> because of something that happened, you know, or tension or increased pulse. It affects your, your pulse rate. We're going to talk some more about that. And then notice what it says. It goes on to talk about anxiety by doubt concerning the reality and nature of the threat and by self-doubt about one's capacity to cope with it. Now, I'm reading to you the dictionary. And notice how anxiety connects with doubt and with fear. And then it gives us some examples. Examples are feelings of anger and anxiety. She suffers from chronic anxiety. Now, I'm giving you the, the, the examples that the dictionary gives us. Uh, he's been feeling a lot of anxiety about his new job and uh, so on and so forth. And now listen to the synonyms and see again how they connect. The synonyms for anxiety are agitation, anxiousness, apprehension, apprehensiveness, care, hmm? Concern, concernment, disquiet, disquietude, uh, or fear, nervousness. I mean, that goes right back into doubt. Perturbation, perturbation. I believe that's correct. I don't, uh, solicitude, some of these words, you know, can get kind of heady. But, uh, you know, listen to them. A lot of you have probably heard these words before. To be, to, to be in perturbation means that you're perturbed over something. You're bothered, extremely bothered. And then solicitude. And it's interesting that it includes sweat. And you'll see why later on. Because, you know, people, like I said, they can talk about a clammy sweat. You know, breaking out into a sweat because of fear or nervousness. You know, unease. 
And you know, unease, uh, there's another word that we use for unease. And you'll see, again, folks, how this is connected. Unease is partner with dis-ease. Are you hearing that? Unease, dis-ease. There's a big connection, and we'll see it after a while. Uneasiness. And then Merriam-Webster's Dictionary ends with worry. Well, Jesus taught us that the devil is the one that brings the cares of, of this life to attempt to steal the word that you've received in your heart. Now, you'll find that in Mark chapter 4. A little later on, we're going to study it. We'll look at it. You know, we'll actually read it. But Jesus talks about it in the parable of the sower. Uh, you can start there about verse 14 and go through verse 20. And you'll see that he talks about, in some translations, the cares of this life. In other translations, the worries of this life. And he said that the devil brings that in order to steal the word and choke it out of your heart. Why? So that you don't produce fruit. You don't get results. And this is what we've been talking about. Because Jesus said in order to have powerful results, we're not to doubt in the heart, but believe that those things that we say come to pass. And this is why Jairus said, uh, or just, uh, yeah, Jairus said to Jesus, Come lay your hands on my daughter, and she will be healed, and she will live. Now that's what Jairus believed in his heart and spoke with his mouth. And then the devil came along and through one of the people that came to him from his house, he, uh, they said, your daughter is dead. And you see, the battle is really for the faith that is working the heart. With the heart, the Bible says, the man or a person believes unto righteousness. What does that mean? You believe for that which is right and good and according to God's word and covenant and according to the sacrifice of Jesus. But that's not all. It says, and with the mouth you confess unto salvation. Now study that word salvation uh, right there from uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 10. It's the Greek word soteria. And you'll see that it means deliverance and wholeness and health and protection. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now that's what the devil wants to shut down because your faith has the potential of shutting down his operations and causing you to rise above anything he can throw at you. Now you remember Ephesians 6.16? The shield of faith quenches all of the fiery darts of the wicked. Your faith will cause you to be victorious. And as long as it's active, it can really hurt the devil in his kingdom. Now 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, This is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith. Now, anxiety, worry, concern, care, and so on are all an integral part of fear and doubt we've seen. And if left unchecked, they lead to depression, to despondency. People become isolated 
and in many cases, sickness and disease will result, and finally, death. Now, Jesus said, and I'm going to quote to you from the New American Standard Bible. He said, do not be worried. Amen. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you in just a minute. If he commanded this, and he did, then it would be unfair for God not to provide the tools to overcome worry, care, and anxiety. Now, the Greek word in Matthew chapter 6. Now, I'll just say, tell you now. Matthew 6, 25 uh, is the one that I just quoted to you. Where from the um, New King James Bible. Let me see. I'm looking it up. It says, do not worry. Okay? Do not worry. And like I said, the New American Standard Bible says, do not be worried. Well, the Greek word uh, is used a few times here in this portion from verse uh, 25 through verse 34. And uh, this Greek word that's translated by some as anxiety, and actually some uh, um, versions say, do not be anxious about your life. This is verse 25, Matthew 6. Do not be worried about your life, because they, they're both talking about the same thing. Now, from the Greek language, it's the word merimnao. And uh, this word is found in Matthew, Luke, 1 Corinthians, and Philippians. I mean, it's just in, in a lot of different places. And the translations of this word as worry and anxiety are accurate. Now, sometimes you'll find the Greek word spelled merimna. Now, the first one was merimnao, and this one is merimna, but it means exactly the same thing as merimnao. Uh, the first is simply the feminine noun, and the latter is the same word used as a verb. And both mean worry and anxiety, either as to one, what one has or as to something that one is doing. The noun merimna is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and 2 Corinthians and 1 Peter. And we'll be studying <clears throat> some of these references. But again, notice the clear commands or orders from the lips of Jesus, from Paul, and from Peter. Using the same Greek words, merimna and merimnao. Here they are. Matthew 6.25, we just looked at. Do not be worried about your life. My God, <clears throat> I don't know what more we need as a command. Matthew 6.31, right there, just go down to verse 31. Do not worry. Another translation says, don't be anxious. Don't be full of care, another version says. All right, Matthew 6.34, look at verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow. Wow, so many people do worry about tomorrow, don't they? They worry about the economy. They worry about, uh, you know, the job situation. They worry about the real estate market. They worry about their home and what's going to happen. They worry about their finances. And Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. And then in chapter 10, verse 19, he said again, do not worry. <clears throat> Luke chapter 21, verse 34, and this one we're going to come back to because it's powerful. And, and there's some truths in here that we need to understand. 
Uh, I'm just going to read real quickly to you uh, portions of it. Luke 21, 34 and 35. It says, be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down with, and then he mentions, the worries of this life. Now, some translations say, instead of the worries of this life, it'll say the concerns of this uh, present age or life. Others will say the anxieties of life. They're all correct. And then 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting all of your anxieties. Others say concerns or cares. The old King James Version says, casting all your cares on Him. Amen. Glory to God. You see, we're commanded not to worry. Amen. It's completely clear in the New Testament that to not to worry and to not be anxious is as much a scriptural commandment as to love one another. John 13, 34 says, This commandment I give unto you, a new commandment. You'll love one another as I've loved you. Well, to, be, to, to worry and be anxious is breaking His commandments to us, which is don't be worried. So if you break a commandment, what's that? Come on, somebody answer. What is breaking a commandment? What is it? It's sin. Well, let me tell you, folks, if you're involved, if you've ever been involved, or if you are now involved, you need to repent of that sin and confess it to the Lord if you've been practicing it. Thank God 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Glory. Amen. We'll see some more tomorrow. Be blessed.